Today we are starting a new series in the book of Exodus. So if you would like to grab one of the blue Bibles and turn to page 60. And I know that many people here, you will be uh, following along with Nikki and Pippa in the Bible in one year, uh, which is an amazing app. Just millions of people around the world now are doing that. And if you're not doing that, we'd really love to encourage you to do that uh, with us. And we are in the book of Exodus in the Bible in one year. We're going to be looking at our preaching series in Exodus. And also for those who are in connect groups, we're going to be looking at some connect group resources in Exodus. Many of you will be familiar uh, with this story. The people of God are in slavery in Egypt. They find themselves in a situation that they themselves are powerless to change. They're facing real challenges, real difficulties. It may be that you can resonate with that today, maybe in your own life. Maybe you're facing real challenges or difficulties, maybe at work, maybe with your, your boss, or maybe you are the challenging boss. Maybe in your health. I know some of you here have been going through really difficult things lots of challenges that you're facing. It might be that when you look at our world, the things facing us as a world, as a, in our society, perhaps poverty or injustice, what's happening in the Middle East, the Brexit negotiations, or perhaps closer to home in London, the knife crime or gang culture, whatever it might be, there are challenges that we face. And similarly here, the people of God, they're facing challenges, they're in slavery. And they cry out to God. It all starts with prayer. They pray to God. They say, Lord, help us. Look at our world. Look at our situation. We need rescuing. And God answers their prayers by raising up Moses to lead them and to really continue the story of God's deliverance. Many of you will know that Moses is in a moment of exile, and he encounters God through the burning bush, and God says, go, I'm sending you. And that's where we pick up the story on page 60, chapter 3, verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to Israel. I am has sent me to you. Then over to chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, but what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. 
This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then over to verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. I want to talk to you today about how to be used by God. We all want our lives to count. Every person here in this room has the power for greatness. Not fame, but greatness. Because greatness ultimately is determined by service and God is calling each one of us to serve him and his purposes in this world. I love Dr. Martin Luther King's prayer. He says, use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. Moses was used powerfully by God. Today, Moses is regarded as one of the most powerful leaders the world has ever seen. And yet Moses was just an ordinary person, just like you and just like me. And that's why I can identify with Moses so much in this sense. I find it so encouraging. He lacked confidence. I can put my hand up to that one. He was insecure. I know exactly what that feels like. He was weak and he was vulnerable. I know I felt like that. Perhaps there's someone here today, you feel weak and vulnerable. I love what Jean Vanier says. He says, all of us are vulnerable, just some of us are better at hiding it than others. Despite all these things, God chose to use Moses powerfully. To be honest, if it was up to me, Moses wouldn't have even made the interview panel. I don't know whether he would have made yours. I don't know whether you would have chosen Moses. What would your criteria be? Your people are enslaved in Egypt. Your rescue plan is to find someone who would confront Moses, one of the most powerful people in the most powerful empires on the face of this planet. Who do you look for? What are the characteristics? What are the criteria? At the end of January, some 3,000 of the world's most powerful, influential, wealthiest leaders gathered together at Davos in Switzerland. And on the invite list, there were the likes of Donald Trump, Theresa May, 
Macron, Merkel, IT giants like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, and even stars of uh, the stage. Will I Am was there. Elton John was there. Would any of those people fulfill the criteria, the job description? Powerful, influential, wealthy, famous, gifted. Perhaps we might choose one of them. But we probably wouldn't have chosen Moses. See, as humans, we try to partner with the brightest, the most powerful. But God is simply looking for people who will be used by him. Someone like Moses, someone faithful, humble. And at this point in Moses' life, he is going through a complete identity crisis. He's in exile out in the Midian desert, and he's probably asking the question, how on earth did I end up here? He'd spent 40 years in Pharaoh's palace. Now he'd spent another 40 years looking after his father-in-law's sheep as a shepherd in Midian. And now at the age of 80 years old, probably the last thing he was expecting was to encounter God at a burning bush. And for God to call him and to say, I'm calling you for a divine purpose. It was the last thing that he was expecting, but that's exactly what God did. And I love that. I love the fact that wherever you are at, whatever your age or your stage, school, college, university, in the workplace, in your neighborhood, God knows where to find you. God knows exactly how to get your attention. You may have come to church today. You weren't expecting to hear God calling you. But I really believe that that's a word for maybe one person here today. God is trying to get your attention. Don't miss your moment of calling. Perhaps today he's calling you out of your place of loneliness or emptiness or brokenness. In your confusion like Moses, but he's calling you. He's not forgotten you. He loves you and he has a purpose for your life. For each of us, we have to decide. What will we choose to do? Do we go our way or do we go God's way? He gives us the choice. We can either sit back or step in. We can lean back or lean in. We can either step up and take a risk. And like Moses, I'm absolutely brilliant with excuses. If I can find an excuse to get out of something, then I will. And Moses here comes up with five excuses. And they're the same excuses that we can all use at different times. The first excuse he says is, you've got the wrong person. I know I've felt like that before when I sensed that God was calling me to ordination. That was exactly what I felt. I thought, you've got the wrong person. I mean, I'm not built really for ordination. I, I like football. But God was saying, I'm I'm calling you. And here God says to Moses, so now go, I'm sending you. But Moses, his response, he says, who am I? I, I haven't got what it takes. I'm not the right shape. I don't think I could do what you're asking me to do. Maybe 
You know, look at my background, Moses says. I was abandoned as a child. I killed someone in Egypt. No, probably none of us hopefully have done anything quite as bad as that. If you have, I'd encourage you to speak to one of the team. But just look at some of the other people in the Bible. Look at what David had done, and yet God used him. Look at what Paul had done, and God used him. You might be here today thinking, I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm, I'm not holy enough. Maybe you think that God could never use you, but today God is calling you. It might be that you've come and you're in the midst of this whole crowd, but actually maybe God is calling somebody here to ordination in the Church of England to begin that journey of discernment, of leadership in his church. Moses says, but who am I? But I love God's answer. In verse 12, he says, I will be with you. You see, it's not about you. It's about you and God. You and God are an unstoppable force, an amazing partnership, a powerful team. And it's only when we step out, it's only when we go that we begin to discover that God is with us. He says, I am with you. Maybe just in a very simple thing, when you step out and do an act of kindness for someone, maybe when you just want to give someone an encouragement, maybe God gives you a prophetic word and God is calling you to tell somebody and you step out, you discover that God is with you. Maybe going into a prison, maybe serving in some way in this church. I know for Emily and I, we used to live in Oxfordshire and when God called us to ordination, I went to theological college in Oxford and then God called us to London and we moved to London, and to be honest, with our four kids, as we moved to London, most people said to us, why are you coming this way? Most people with four kids are moving to Oxfordshire that way. And we had this little cottage, and it was in the countryside, and little ducks would come down the path. <laughs> you know, we had this... Yeah, had this fear. It was like we thought we were going to be living in like a litter tube station for a little time. But we just, God, if you're calling us, and God called us to London, to this amazing community. If I'm honest, I, who am I? Who am I? To, you know, Nicky Gumbel and Sam Follett and <laughs> all these amazing people doing amazing ministry here, Alpha, all around the world. Who am I to come and Get involved in that. And yet God called us to play our part. You see, God wants us to live in the faith zone and not the safe zone. I find that so hard to step into that zone of faith, to get out of my comfort zone. You see, when God invites us into his story and he calls us to do things that seem so much bigger than we can achieve, he says, don't, don't worry, I will be with you. So that's the first excuse. I'm not the right person. The second excuse that Moses gives, he says, I'm not ready yet. I can't pull this off. Moses says in verse 13, what shall I tell them? I'm not ready. I mean, what if they reject me? It's not the right time. I find it so easy to put things off in my life. 
I sort of think, oh, maybe later, maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'll do that, God, another time. Maybe when the kids have left home. Maybe when, you know, I've got that job promotion or when I've got married. Whatever it looks like for you. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're an alpha at the moment and you think, this isn't the right time for me. I'm not ready yet. Maybe this is your very first time in church today. Maybe you've come with a friend. You're thinking, well, I'm certainly not ready. But actually, God is calling you. I'm so inspired by what's happening with our young people here. Out of anyone, they could be entitled to think, well, I'm, I'm too young. I'm not ready. But it's amazing. One of them was telling me that two weeks ago, he invited one of his friends from school who'd never been to church to come to church. Came to the 4.30 service. Sat in the front row. They absolutely loved it. On the Monday, they were having a conversation. She was inviting her friends to come to church. It inspires me so much when those guys step out. See, God's answer is the antidote to Moses' anxiety of, I'm not ready. And he says to him, I am who I am. Moses probably heard that response and said, brilliant. Well, now you've said that, God. I think everything is just all fantastic. I am who I am. It's interesting, isn't it, that God doesn't say to Moses, look, Moses, it's all going to be fine. You're really gifted. You're really smart. You're really good looking. You've got a fantastic beard. Everything's all going to be good. No, he, he doesn't do that. He actually points the attention on himself and he's, he gives Moses a revelation of who he is. I am who I am. I am the great I am. I am so you don't have to be. I'm enough. I'm sufficient. Seems to me that if we're to be used by God, if we're to step into this amazing privilege opportunity of serving him we have to wrestle with two fundamental questions firstly who am i what's my identity and the second question is who are you who are you god you see when we know whose we are we know who we are what takes us from a place of feeling called into the deep end to a place of confidence is an encounter with the spirit of God. We can't change the world in our own strength. We can't mobilize our great strategies, but we can through the Spirit of God. It's when we encounter Him, it's when we get a revelation of Him and who He is that that changes everything. So that's the second excuse. I'm not ready yet. Then the third excuse Moses says, chapter 4, verse 1, but I might fail. He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? In other words, what if it doesn't work? I can identify with that so much. I've, I find I can often have such a fear of failure. But I've found that failure is so often reflected in the eyes of the people watching than it is in God's eyes. See, that's not how God sees us. So often our failure is rooted in our fear of man. 
truth is we all fail. We all make mistakes. I've made so many mistakes. Fear of failure can haunt us, but we try and avoid it. We try and run away from it at all costs. But the simple truth is no great success was ever achieved without failure. Maybe an epic success like Moses, but maybe a series of failures. Think of Edison's 10,000 attempts to create a light bulb. Think of Dyson, 5,126 attempts to create a bagless vacuum cleaner. See, failure can unlock our future if we learn from it. Failure is meant to be our teacher, not our undertaker. It can be a good thing. And God's answer is that whatever happens in our life, however much we may feel like we failed, he can use everything, even the small things. The Bible says that he takes all things and uses them for the good. I love God's response to Moses. He says in verse 2, what's in your hand? Moses shows him his staff. It's just a, it's just a staff. What good is that? You see, Moses' staff, it represents three things. It represents his identity. He was a shepherd. It was who he was at that time. It represents his influence. It was the way that he could move the sheep around, the way that he could protect the sheep. And thirdly, it represented his income, his livelihood. It was how he earned his money and his wealth. And what we see is that God says to Moses, I want you to lay your staff down. I want you to lay those things down. Lay your identity down. Lay your influence down. Lay your income down. And when he lays it down, that's when it comes alive. And it's the same for us when we lay down those things that God is giving us. They come alive. He wants to use us, every part of us, our talents, our gifts, our freedom, our creativity. When we lay those down and give them to him, he will use them for a greater purpose. He will use them for his glory. The fourth excuse that Moses makes is he says, I'm, I'm not qualified. I don't have the skills. He says, how can I do this? He principally had one area that he struggled with here. He says, I'm not a good communicator. He says, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. Moses had a fear of public speaking. Right at this moment, I kind of know what he feels like. The truth is, I, I, I know exactly what that feels like. Probably out of all the things I do in my job here at HTB, the hardest thing for me is speaking. In the privacy of my own home with Emily, you, you wouldn't want to have seen it yesterday, but I literally, what am I going to say to all these people? I don't know, I don't know what to say. Maybe someone else should do it. That's what I felt yesterday. But you see, it's not actually about our capability. It's about our calling. And I've learned that as God takes our weaknesses, then he can become strong in us. It's what Paul says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So that's the fourth excuse. I'm not qualified. Finally, the fifth excuse. Moses says, send someone else. 
You can hear the cry in his voice, can't you, in that verse? Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. That's always the temptation. As I said, I felt a bit like that yesterday. But particularly in a big church like this, we can always think, oh, someone else will do it. Perhaps you can send someone else. Somebody else will give. Somebody else will turn up to the prayer meeting. Somebody else will serve and join on that team. Somebody else will host people for the leadership conference. Somebody else will invite their friends to Alpha or on the marriage course. Moses, in this passage, he had to make a a choice. He He had a decision to make. And he probably had to make that decision daily. And this is the moment where God just gets a little bit frustrated with Moses. It says his anger burned again. I mean, that kind of means he got a little bit annoyed with Moses. What does he do? God says, no, I'm, I'm calling you, Moses. I want you to rise up and take a lead. I want you to do it. And he says to Moses, you're not on your own. You can be part of a team. And he says, you know, Aaron, your brother, he's a good speaker. He can come and help. He says, I'll help both of you to speak and teach you what to do. He teaches us. He leads us if we would be willing to be used by him. Despite all of his excuses, all of his questions, Moses says yes to God. He gives his yes and he says, here I am. Moses was a man who spent 40 years thinking that he was somebody. 40 years learning he was nobody and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. What could God do with each of us? I think of people like Tom and Sarah Jackson, who part of the team here, but you know, God called them to get involved with youth unemployment. They started this organization called Resurgo and Spear. It's amazing having these centers, gathering young people again, getting them back into the workforce. I think of what Nikki and Scylla Lee have done over the years. They didn't just see that there was a problem in family life and marriage breakdown. They decided to follow God's call. They've been faithful in the marriage courses, in the material that they've used. That's what Moses did. He stepped out. And of course, Moses prefigures Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate one who laid down his life in service of his Father in heaven by going to the cross, being raised to new life again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Even the Son of Man wrestled with his calling when he considered the cost. But he said, yes, he said, here I am. Send me, I'll go. And the writer to the the book of Hebrews, he says that Jesus is greater even than Moses. Jesus is the suffering servant. He's the one who came to rescue all people, to set us free from the snares of sin and death and darkness. He's the one who can change the world. He's the one who we 
are to follow. He's the one who is inviting us to be part of his unfolding plan, to see this nation, this society transformed. And tonight, it's both a challenge and an invitation to step up and to step in. It's an adventure to be used by God, to demonstrate his love, to see people that we come into contact with set free. Loving others is by far the best way that we can see transformation in people's lives. On Friday, and I finish with this, Emily and I, we had the privilege of being in a room of people who have all given their yes to God. They're all people who have heard God's calling and decided to follow him, to take the lead. And they're all people that could resonate with these excuses. They've probably all gone through them in their head, you know, I'm not the right person. What if I fail? I'm not qualified. I don't have the skills. Send somebody else. That room was a group of all of our church plant leaders, all the city center resource churches around this country, from Ollie Ryder and his family and his team down in the southwest in Plymouth, all the way up to Gateshead in the northeast. And on the Friday morning, we were worshiping together and we were praying and Jeremy Jennings, who some of you will know, he leads all of our prayer meetings at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. He's been a long-standing member of HTB and on the staff here. He gave this prophetic word and I really believe that this word was not only an encouragement for those church plant leaders, but it's an encouragement for us here tonight to enable us to step out, to be used by God, to get God's perspective on our lives. Jeremy gave me his word, little scraps of paper. This was the word. He says, you see a congregation. I see a movement. You see a fence. I see the sky. You see a community. I see a country. You see a brown field. I see a harvest. You see opposition. I see a heart. You see the past. I see the future. You see failure. I see one who tried. You see decay. I see life. You see the horizon. I see eternity. You see boundaries. I see freedom. I am with you. Go for it. I really believe that that is a word for us tonight. God says, I am with you. Go for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.